Welcome to Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff, where we interview newsmakers, storytellers, and all-around interesting people. Sit back, relax, uh, unless you're driving, and enjoy the show. Here's Jackson. Hello, hello, hello. I am Jackson Huff. This is Not in a Huff. Thanks so much for joining me. As always, really appreciate it. This week, I'm interviewing Ralph Velasco. Now, Ralph is another traveler. He comes to us in kind of a different way than a lot of the travelers I have spoken with. And it's that he owns not one, but two tour companies. So, you know, they they both kind of have similarities, of course. But uh, one is a little bit more focused on the photography side of things. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be a complete, you know, photography whiz but uh he kind of takes people in in areas that uh i guess are are picture perfect so to speak his other one is a little more focused in the european area and a little less uh photography uh but uh we're just going to talk about his his life and how he got from working in restaurants working in um, you know, the business world to running these businesses and traveling the world. At one point, he bought a, a around-the-world ticket for the last 14-plus years. He's been kind of a international traveler. His actual, you know, name in the travel world is the Continental Drifter. So uh, I, I think that you're going to enjoy this a lot, just hearing about his travels. Of course, we're going to talk a lot about his, his companies and what makes him a little different than, than some of the other ones. Um, we're going to talk about some of the, the best trips he's been on, some of the ones that are, are not as great, what it takes to, to be able to organize 10 to 15 people to all be on the same page while they're traveling the world. Um, it was a fascinating conversation. I actually talked to him while he was preparing for a group to join him in Cambodia. So I talked to him as he sat in a, a hotel room in, in Cambodia. Uh, that was a month or two ago, so I, I hope that trip went uh, went off without a, a hitch and, and everyone had a great time. Uh, I definitely had a great time speaking with him. It was, you know, just fascinating just to hear kind of his his life, um, his travels, and I, I guess just kind of the experiences that a lot of uh, a lot of people have been able to have with his tours. Uh, I, even if you're not a big traveler. Um, I think you're going to enjoy this one just to, to hear about an interesting life well lived. Uh, if you're into photography, he'll talk a little bit about that too. But uh, I think his tours are all about kind of enjoying yourself while you're taking pictures rather than, you know, having everything perfect. And, and he'll, mention, he'll mention a lot about that too. But, uh, yeah, here is Ralph Velasco. I'm here today with Ralph Velasco. Mr. Velasco, how are you? I'm real good. Thanks. Please call me Ralph. All right, Ralph. Well, if you would just introduce yourself. Yeah, so I'm uh, the founder and CEO or chief experience officer at Photo Enrichment Adventures and Ala Campania Experiences, two different travel brands that I have. And I also have a YouTube channel called The Continental Drifter. And I organize and lead tours around the world and help people with their photography and learning about the culture, food, and people of uh, many, many different locations around the world. I've been doing this for 14 years, and uh, I've put together over 120 international multi-week tours uh, to six continents. So I've been doing that for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to unpack 
all of that in a bit. I know, though, that you're coming to us from Cambodia, I believe a hotel room. How's that trip going so far? What's got you in Cambodia? Yeah, so Cambodia is uh, one of my all-time favorite locations, and I've been doing trips here for about 10 years. And so uh, I'm often asked what my favorite trip or place is that I've ever been, and my standard answer is, is that uh, Cambodia is in the top three and the other two rotate. <laughs> so um, this is a great place to be back in and uh, I just love it. And I'm uh, here in advance of a group coming in about three, four days. And so uh, often get to a place early so that I can scout it, get over jet lag, confirm, uh, you know, all our, details of the trip and everything and uh, make sure that we're all good to go. And uh, that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I wonder too, I don't know how long you've been going to Cambodia and if you, cause I, I mean, I've talked to a ton of travelers and Cambodia is one place. A lot of people have always mentioned that it's great, but a lot of people say that it's gotten not as great because everyone knows about anchor Wat now and it's all kind of saturated. Are you having any of that issue or are people just being negative Nancy's? No, I mean, I've been coming here for 10 years and I have seen changes, some of them good, some of them not so good, at least from my perspective. Uh, the, uh, the major tourist sites like, like Angkor Wat are, of course, uh, one of the main reasons people come here. And so you know that it's going to be crowded almost all the time and you just kind of set yourself up for that. But I always say that it's very easy to get off the beaten path if you uh, maybe get out early, uh, just go one or two streets off that main drag in whatever city you're in. You can almost guarantee that you're going to find just regular neighborhoods and people and the, the real life in those places. Because in almost every city, there's you know main drag, a main tourist track. And, and you kind of have to see that, um, you know, because that they're, they're, they are like that for a reason. Uh, but don't be afraid to get out a little bit earlier so that you beat the tourist crowds, maybe the heat of the day, but also uh, get into the back roads and the, the more real life. At, at least that's what I like doing. But uh, Cambodia is uh, it's not overrun, but, you know, it, the word is out, but it's uh, it doesn't have quite the cachet that uh, Thailand or Vietnam have that are neighbors. And that's one of the reasons that I love it because uh, I think that Cambodia is maybe Vietnam 20 years ago. And so that's what I really do like about it. You travel in the same way that I do, that you like to see kind of immerse yourself a little bit more in the culture rather than just one tourist attraction to another. So I like that. And I want to kind of go all the way back before, you know, you, you set kind of set off on, on this adventure and, and all these things 14 years ago, I know you had quite the career before then talk a little bit about, I guess, life before, uh, before this, uh, you know, these endeavors. Yeah. Well, I grew up in the restaurant business. I, I was a third generation restaurateur. I've owned a couple restaurants myself. I went to Indiana University, and right when I graduated, instead of getting your typical corporate job with uh, P&G or someone else or a you know consulting firm, I bought a small restaurant in my hometown, and so I ran that for a couple of years, and 
before I sold it, I said, before I do anything else, uh, I'm going to buy a round the world ticket. And so at 24, I bought a round the world ticket and traveled to something like uh, 15 countries on five continents over five months. And, you know, especially at that age, doing it solo, that was uh, certainly uh, one of the major experiences of my life. And I knew I wanted to try to figure out a way to make a living from travel, from photography. But back then, 1988, you know, there was no internet, there was no cell phones. You know, it's practically before the wheel. But uh, we, uh, you know, you could buy a round the world ticket at that time, and you just had to travel one direction. So I traveled west. And uh, it was great. It was a great solo experience and uh, gave me a, a lot of confidence for you know traveling the rest of my life. And uh, then I came back and I sold real estate for a while. I uh, moved to California and worked for a friend of mine in his uh, restaurant business. Uh, I eventually moved to Mexico City where I got my MBA because I felt like I you know, the grass is always greener. So I, I kind of wanted to catch up with my cohorts who had been doing those sort of regular jobs over the past eight or nine years at this point. And I was like, well, if I get an MBA, maybe I can, you know, kind of catch up a little bit. And so I went, I moved to Mexico City and I got an MBA in international business. And that was great. And then I moved back to San Diego where that school was based. It, uh, at the time, it was apparently the only U.S. accredited school in all of Latin America. And I thought, what better place to get an international degree than internationally? So uh, I have quite an affinity for Mexico. I'd been going there for years with my family. We have some roots there. And so uh, Mexico City is another very underrated city. It's one of the most cosmopolitan, advanced but yet has thousands of years of history and, you know, incredible sites like the you know, Teotihuacan pyramids and things like that. So it's a great place. And, uh, and so then I did a bunch of other things. I ended up as a uh, marketing director for a division of a fortune 500 company for about three years. And, uh, you know, that was that regular job that I said that I wanted to get. And, uh, Things changed, unfortunately. I was supposed to be working under the vice president of international, and there was uh, an organizational shift, and so I got put into a finance role and turned out to be the the worst <laughs> three years of my life because I was completely a fish out of water. And uh, you know, I thought I found the job that was you know, going to let me travel the world and do international business, but that didn't quite happen. And... Um, what else? Then I I moved back to Chicago, started a second restaurant. And at that time, uh, this was 2001 to four. And that's around when digital photography started. You, you started seeing these one megapixel digital cameras and the Kodak Easy Share. One megapixel was my first camera as a point and shoot. But uh, I soon realized that uh, people would maybe pay me to help them learn how to use these new digital devices. And uh, it was more about selling the picks and shovels as opposed to mining the gold myself, meaning that, you know, teaching people to use these devices as opposed to trying to sell the photographs. 
which that's a whole nother job. And actually digital kind of took the bottom out of that market anyway. And so uh, little by little, I've, um, you know, started planning some just little two hour photo walks in Chicago where I was living at the time. And I, I came to the conclusion that the season would be fairly short because of Chicago's notorious uh, weather, uh, which is somewhat overrated, but um I ended up moving back to California to a friend of mine out there had a, a financial services business. And so why don't you come out here, get your licenses and uh, work with me. And he wasn't just a stock jockey. He was selling some interesting products that I you know, could sink my teeth into. And so I did that. And I said, you know what, I can, at the same time at night and on weekends, I can uh, maybe create some walking tours in the area and uh, teach at the local city of Newport Beach adult education program. I ended up teaching at Saddleback College, uh, University of California, Irvine Extension program, and a bunch of different places where I didn't need a teaching degree because it was sort of adult education courses. But I would get in front of anyone who would listen and had an interest in learning about photography. And, and I taught, uh, I did teach about the the devices themselves, teaching people how to use their cameras. But there was a lot of guys starting to do that at the time. And I said, um, I want to be different. Uh, I want to teach people how to see. I'd like to teach people how to use those cameras, but make great pictures with them and to, to notice and capture interesting subjects um, and you know help with composition and timing and and uh, more of the creative side to it than just, you know, what this button does or what that dial does. And that's, that's an important, that's an important thing for sure, because I always use this example. I had a photographer on, it's been a long time ago now, but my dad actually took a, a class at a community college on how to, he bought this fancy digital camera. He learned all about how to use it. You know, he knows the aperture and the shutter speed and all this stuff. He knows a million different things. But what he doesn't know is how to, you know, center a dang picture and make it look good. So uh, that uh, that that's really what matters. So I'm always like saying, no, take don't don't take that picture. That looks terrible. So yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the biggest thing is making the picture look good. All the rest, uh, you know, knowing all the knobs doesn't really help you if you can't take the good picture. So I, I like that. And I want to, right in the very beginning, did you say that you went to Indiana University? Mm-hmm. Well, that's awesome. I'm an alumni. I don't know if you see it up there, but that's that's where I'm. Oh, I'm sure where uh, you, are you from? Chicago? Where are you from? From Chicago. I was a Lambda Chi down there. That's that's awesome. I love it. I love it. And I want to ask you. Um, I guess we we've heard kind of you very slowly getting kind of more involved in the photography world. We already heard. You know, you've always had a passion for travel. What made you kind of take that leap, you know, 14 years ago from, I guess, quote unquote, regular jobs into what you're doing now, which is kind of the remote work? What what uh, what created that leap and how how scary was it or were you just so burnt out with what you were doing? It was it was inevitable. Yeah, I was so burned out. It was inevitable. And uh, I could tell you the exact day that I went full time as a photographer and and tour organizer and it was the day after the 2008 financial crisis because i was a financial advisor you know just still green maybe two and a half three years into it 
and the financial crisis hits. And even my boss, who'd been doing it for 25 years, saw his book go down like 90%. And I was, you know, kind of struggling. I, I didn't enjoy what I was doing and um, had been creating these uh, classes and two hour, four hour, full day, then uh, weekend trips in and around Southern California. Then I started bringing groups back to Chicago so I could get a free ride home and uh, didn't realize how many people in California hadn't been to Chicago. And I think it's one of the great cities in the world. And so, uh, you know, it just, it grew very slowly, but it was the day after the financial crisis that I could either, you know, continue to flounder and you know probably make zero money for a year or two as a lot of people did even the experienced people or i could just burn all the bridges and say this is what i'm doing and i'm going to make this work and and i think that was the best thing i ever did because when you do burn bridges like that and you say there's no going back there's no excuses you um you just make it happen it's funny how that works and uh, so I start my first international tour was uh, to the Central European Christmas markets. And that, that was really fun. And, uh, and then I started uh, doing trips uh, all over the world, Spain and Cuba and a lot, a lot of different places. And so uh, now I've had over like 30 different itineraries uh, to six continents. And so it's, it's grown quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I like what you said about kind of burning those bridges, so to speak. Obviously, you don't want to do that unless you're really sure this is what you what you want. But if it is and you want to be successful, you know, I've I've heard that in the past that you you can't keep a, a, a you know, a super strong tie to, you know, your your previous job or your your previous life, because if you have that crutch, you're not going to really dive all that deeply into to what you're what you're doing. So that makes a lot of sense for sure. I want you to tell us, um, you're talking about, you know, all of these different itineraries and, and the, the trips. Uh, tell us a little bit about those those two companies and then exactly what you mean by, you know, trips and itineraries and how people join you and all that kind of stuff. Kind of lay out this business. Sure. So I started out as Photo Enrichment Adventures. And um, I, well, I'll, I'll go back a little bit further. I actually started out as uh, RalphVelasco.com. So, you know, the... The company was me, and I soon realized that if I ever wanted to sell it or you know do something else with it, uh, it, it shouldn't be about me. You know who's going to want to buy a business that's RalphVelasco.com. So I uh, quickly changed the name to Photo Enrichment Adventures, and they were tours that I created. A lot of people were doing photo workshops. Um, especially with the dawn of digital photography, but I, I like to think I was early on with the digital tours, because uh, the old guard had been doing photo tours for years, you know, probably since the 60s and 70s, but these were film cameras and, and you know, probably pretty expensive tours. Uh, but I wanted to uh, create a trip that was somewhere between a photo workshop, which to me is 12 hours a day, all day, all night, you know, photography. And um, I wasn't necessarily interested in that. I was looking for a more casual photographer that wanted some photography, but also uh, my trips are a half day scheduled, half day free time on average. 
so that people can go out on their own, do their own thing, maybe put into practice what they learned that morning, uh, bring a friend or a spouse who isn't interested in photography and, and go do things with them and follow their interests. And it brought in a very different type of traveler. And uh, that I, I also learned early on setting expectations and almost anything is super important. And uh, the expectation was that you, you could look forward to a half day scheduled half day free time. So if someone wanted to be handheld 12 hours a day for 14 days straight, they pretty much filtered themselves out and you know didn't come on my trip. Uh, I was looking for a, for a traveler who was uh, confident enough to go out on their own and do their own thing and you know li like that idea of having a, a structured trip, but then having some flexibility to do other things. And so, and, and that could be just sitting by the pool or sitting in a cafe or you know, having a beer somewhere, which the more I travel, the more that appeals to me. Instead of rushing around, trying to see all the different sites and feeling like you got to do everything, you know, um, I do have the luxury of going back to these places over and over again. So I can kind of look, I, I can look forward to, well, if I didn't do it this time, I'll do it next time. And um, I think that's a good way to, to look at it and think that, you know, well, if I don't do it this time, I can always come back. Uh, otherwise, I feel like, you know, you, you're, you're out there just going from site to site, seeing the whole place through the viewfinder of a camera and you didn't really travel, you know, yeah, you could say you've been there, you've got the photographs, but did you create any real memories? Mm. And as I get older, that to me is more important than having photographs, meeting people, trying the food, taking a cooking class, getting a haircut, getting a, a manicure, pedicure, whatever, you know, do those sort of regular things that you might do at home, but do them in Phnom Penh, Cambodia, or, you know, Dubrovnik, Croatia, wherever you are. So to me, that's, that's fun. That's really awesome. So we know about photo enrichment. What's the other company? I'm going to butcher the name. It's, it's your mother's maiden name. What is, what is it? Ala Sham. Oh man. What is it? <laughs> Ala Campania experiences. Yeah. And uh, I decided to create these trips. Now my photo enrichment adventures, again, it's been a little hard to kind of live down, but, uh, Sometimes people think that you have to be a serious photographer. You have to have an expensive camera. You're going to be out 12 hours a day shooting, and that's not the case at all. So I get people on those trips that one, maybe a couple, the spouse has an interest in photography, the other doesn't. But when they come, when the non-interested person comes with us, who doesn't want to be in beautiful places, in beautiful lights with lesser crowds, um, and learning to see, you know, you don't have to, you know, pick up a camera and point, point it at the, a beautiful scene to appreciate it. Um, so that was the idea there. So those are very casual. So, uh, of course, we all are photographers to some extent today. We've all got those digital devices. I'm shooting more and more with my, my smartphone than anything, uh, partially because I've got a YouTube channel and I'm doing a lot of video. But I created the Alacampani experiences. And uh, as you mentioned, it's my mother's maiden name is Campania. And Alacampania means to the countryside. And 
the idea for these trips was to stay in one, maybe two locations over the course of a week or 10 days, really do a deep dive into them and not necessarily see a whole country or region of the world over 14 days, moving around every two, three, four nights. So this was, um, the idea was to kind of stay in one place and then do hub and spoke. So we pack and unpack once, uh, and then we just do little short day trips, uh, 30, 60 minute drives to the you know local village or the olive mill or you know, wine tasting. And it's a lot about the food and uh, gastronomic uh, adventures. So these are more around the Mediterranean. And so I've got a, a northern Portugal tour that's uh, Porto and the Dodo Valley. I've got a Dordogne, uh, France trip that we stay in a 17th, or excuse me, a, a 11th century castle. Uh, that's uh, absolutely incredible. I wanted to, you know, when we travel, we tend to, we can't wait to leave the hotel. But what if the hotel is a destination and you may not want to leave? What if it's an 11th century castle that is absolutely a museum inside? There's a swimming pool. Uh, 270 acres of grounds to hike, um, you know, beautiful gardens. You may not want to leave as often, at least. And of course we do, but uh, we go visit little villages close by. Instead of driving uh, eight hours from uh, Fez to Marrakesh or wherever, um, uh, which I've done before and is fine, but um, it was like too much behind the wheel time. And uh, so I, I just wanted to be there and do a deep dive and really let people know what this particular place was about. I've also got a uh, northern Spain's Basque country and La Rioja. It's four nights in San Sebastian, four in uh, La Guardia, Spain. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, optional balloon, hot air balloon rides, wine tasting, olive oil tasting, you know, just everything you can think of. And finally, uh, my fourth trip is uh, Postcard Puglia, and that's the heel of Italy. And we stayed in Agriturismo, gelato tasting, olive oil tasting, hit the beaches, you know, just really, really nice uh, things like that. And I'm developing Sicily, and uh, I think Greece and or Sardinia might be next. So when you say developing, that was, that was going to be the next question. How do you... How do you create these tours? Are you are you kind of taking them yourself first and seeing what works and what doesn't, and trying a few different things, or or how does what what does that look like? Yeah, so uh, I always scout every trip in advance. Uh, I work with a local tour operator in the destination who helps me has the local knowledge, helps me put together a um, a, a scouting trip where it's just me and either the tour operator themselves or their guides. And I go and I kind of do two to three times the amount of things that we actually do on the trip itself after I put it together. So I see a lot of stuff. Those trips can be real go, go, go. Cause they want to show me everything, you know, cause they're proud of their country. They, they, they've shown everyone, everything else. So, but I, I finally came up with a, a seven page document. I call my tour operator ex expectation list and it tells them exactly what we are and are not looking for. And it saves us both time and money because, you know, there's no reason to show me museums and monuments necessarily, um, you know, unless they're, you know, I want to get a quick 
picture of that to you know put in the brochure or the uh, the website but uh, the idea is that uh, I, I try and do everything and then I pare it down and because I of course I can do things a lot faster on my own with a guide than I can with a group of 10 people so I have to consider that and uh, also that 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 free time that I like to provide and and one day might be a full day for whatever reason and the next day might be entirely free so just on average free uh, half day scheduled half day free and also I make food a big part of my trips because as I mentioned I um, I, I was a third generation restaurateur. I, I eat three meals a day and I, I love, uh, you know, I think food is such a big part of travel next to the people. And I go to some of the great food cultures of the world, like, you know, Turkey, Vietnam, Cambodia, all of Europe, Mexico, Colombia. So these wonderful places, uh, how can you not explore the food? And um, so testing the restaurants and you know, maybe this one works, this one doesn't, putting together the logistics of how the trip should flow, uh, meeting the local guides so that, you know, we hit it off. They know what I expect when we come back. So and then I, uh, I do that about a year in advance, typically at this about the same time that I would bring the group back. So I have similar pictures and, um, you know, they can get a feel for, you know, what fall is like in Armenia and Georgia or whatever spring in Portugal. And so uh, that's kind of how I do it. And then I then I market the trip. It gives me enough time to market it for the next year. Yeah. And is, is, is those trips with, with your second company, are they at all photo related or, or is that not where the photos are? Yeah. I mean, like I said, we're all photographers. We all have our cameras and stuff. Um, I just don't do like uh, specific photo walks or image reviews and things like that. Uh, but of course we're all taking pictures all along the way. And if anyone has any questions, they can always ask me, I'll still point out, you know, photo opportunities. Hey, did you catch this? Did you notice this? Look at how the light falls on this thing or whatever it is. And, uh, you know, I think that's, that, that comes back to that learning to see and that more creative part of photography than just the, the mechanical part of the camera itself. Yeah. And I always like to kind of just, you know, ask the question that I'm sure a lot of people that listen would would ask is there'd be plenty of people to be like, you mentioned it earlier about how, you know, there's so many trips out there that were 12 hours or they were just out of a lot of people's price range. So I feel like some people would be listening to this and be like, yeah, that all sounds great, but I can't, you know, put a second mortgage on my house. So what, I mean, what, what are the price of a lot of these type of trips? Yeah, I mean, uh, there certainly is a price to pay for a uh, for the type of trips that I do because uh, they're ten person maximum. Mm -hmm. uh, you're going to get a very different experience and a very different price than if you go on, I don't know, like a a Rick Steves tour where there's twenty four people uh, with you, or other where there's fifty people. It's a big bus tour, or you're on a cruise. So when people look at the price of my trip, uh, you know, they might, um, you know, question that because they run anywhere from about 4,000 to 6,000 max. Um, and it just depends on how many days it is, you know, where it, you know, a trip to Cambodia is priced very differently than a trip to, uh, you know, France because just because of, you know, the price difference in those places, the labor costs and things like that, the hotels. 
here in Cambodia, hotels are $50, $70 a night for beautiful boutique hotels where, you know, if you go to Paris, you're talking three, 400. So it depends on the time of year. But, you know, you've also got uh, me because I, I lead all our trips. Um, there's been one or two that I didn't for whatever logistical reason. I'm always very upfront with people that someone else is going to lead that trip. But um, I still am my brand in a way, you know, and people know me, my following knows me. So typically they want to come on a trip because uh, of me. And especially I, I get about a, a 50, 55% repeat rate. So people that are coming back on my trips over and over again, I have several that have been on 15, 18, 25 of my trips. So they like what I do. They like how they're structured. Uh, you know, the, they like, the ratio of photography or whatever, the food, and they know that the places I'm going to. And it gives me uh, uh, it gives me encouragement to create new trips for those people. Um, so um, that, you know, that's, so the pricing, you know, you might, if I'm charging say 4,000 for a trip and some big bus tour companies charging 1,500, and that's all you're looking at is the price. Uh, yeah, why would you go with me? But when you look into it and you see what you get and you, you're going to stay at smaller boutique hotels, be in smaller vehicles, get into more local type restaurants and activities, maybe get behind the scenes where a group of 50 people can't do that. Um, so there's uh, there is a price to pay for that. So I always try to encourage people to 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 compare apples to apples. Don't compare me to that big bus trip because I'll, I'll never win. But if you want a really intimate trip where you're, you know, pretty much, you know, five, 10 on one with the, with the, me, the owner of the company who's been there and done that, um, you know, I think you would love my trips. Yeah, no, I, I get that for sure. I just always like to ask the questions that, uh, that I think people would wonder the other one too, because again, I've talked to a ton of travelers and I know that, uh, you know, when it comes to these tours, Definitely everything you're saying when it comes to being a small group, being not the cheapest and probably not the most expensive either, somewhere in, in the middle there. Uh, a lot of people look at that also and think, okay, that sounds like, you know, probably a, a lot of people, you know, in the, in the mature category. So what, uh, what's, what's the demographics of your, of your trips? Yeah. Um, my, Groups are typically a uh, 40s plus age group. Uh, and that's mostly because, yeah, maybe they're retired. Uh, they have the funds to spare. They um, are you know, starting to develop interests in things like photography as they move towards retirement. Um, but these are very active people. And uh, yeah, I don't get a lot of 20s and 30 somethings because sure, they can go out and do this stuff on their own and you know, stay out all night and go to the disco and stuff. Uh, that's not my trip. That's not the kind of person I'm going for. But, um, you know, if you are 40s plus and uh, I get a lot of single women and um, and by single, I don't necessarily mean not married, but uh, maybe a, a husband has no interest in traveling or perhaps he's still working. And but there's safety in numbers. There's uh, a lot of that, you know, uh, the camaraderie of being with a small group is wonderful. The, um, the networking, learning from each other, having other people to 
you know, converse with uh, during that free time. If you're single and, you know, if there's someone else on the trip, you know, hey, Joe, you want to go grab lunch? You want to go shoot over here? I heard about this activity. Would you like to do that during our free time? That's great. Or um, the other thing is that I provide uh, pretty much all breakfasts and on average one other meal per day, kind of for the same reason that I like people to be able to go out and explore on their own, find a restaurant. Uh, maybe they want to go to a three Michelin star restaurant. Or maybe they want to eat street food tonight or skip a meal. Uh, no one ever goes hungry on my trips. So, you know, there's times where we'll, we might have a big old lunch and then people will just skip dinner. So I give them that option. And, and when we have a free time, you know, when I say go, you know, dinner's not included this evening, it's typically when we're in a place where there's plenty of options for them to just walk out and go get something on their own. So, uh, it's it's a really nice mix that way. Yeah, yeah, and, and you told told us kind of in the beginning, your one of your favorite places, which is where you're at, Cambodia. Any places that you've been, maybe that you were scouting out for a tour, or just in in your personal life, you traveled to that wasn't your favorite. I don't want to say you didn't like it, but it just wasn't uh, wasn't wasn't your type of place. Uh, you know that. There's so many places. You know, there's so many good things about every place. And um, I guess one that might stand out is uh, Bulgaria. And I'm not saying anything bad about Bulgaria. It's a beautiful country, lots to see and do, great food. But uh, the tour operator I was working with ended up uh, not work, uh, working well with and uh, gave me pricing that was like just a little bit less than what I want to charge my clients. And, you know, I need to add my costs and my time and my fee on top of that. So, you know, that trip would have been double what a normal trip. And, and this is Bulgaria, which is a fairly inexpensive country. So it wasn't anything against Bulgaria. It was, uh, you know, this tour operator that just, I think, was uh, getting greedy. And um, I said, I can't do it. So... Uh, that's one example. And I, I could certainly probably find another tour operator to work with there. But uh, I just uh, kind of moved on. Uh, Romania is uh, one of my favorite countries, too. And that is an absolutely stunningly beautiful place. And that's just north of Bulgaria. And uh, I love Eastern Europe. It's much more off the beaten path. And um, it's a stunningly beautiful place with incredible culture and like a step back in time. And uh, that's a trip I ran about uh, seven or eight times. And I, I took it off the list because I I'm trying, I can only do so many trips a year. And so I try to rotate them for my own interest and for my new or my uh, old clients that are looking for new places. You know, I've been to Romania. I've, I've been on these other trips. What else you got for me? So, uh, yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, I love it. That's really, that's really cool. Uh, tell us about your YouTube channel. Yeah, so I, I started a YouTube channel. So COVID, of course, uh, hit us you know, back in March of 2020. And I'd been wanting to start a YouTube channel for years. And I'd been taking some video, um, not too seriously, but I always knew that at some point I was probably going to have a use for it. And so the, with the YouTube channel, uh, the, with COVID, I had the time to 
uh, spend to put together this channel, which is a lot of work. I'm getting right around a thousand subscribers, you know, getting up to getting that magic number of a thousand subscribers. So please uh, just head on over to youtube.com slash continental drifter, subscribe to my channel. Let's get over a thousand. But um, it's something that uh, it's, you know, I, I just want to share these places that I've been, these cool things that I've done. Um, and they're usually just uh, either they might be sort of, uh, it could be a whole trip that I've done and then just little snippets of each of the highlights, or it could be focused only on that highlight, like uh, zip lining in Copper Canyon, Mexico, or riding the bamboo train in Cambodia you know, uh, doing a gastronomic society visit in Spain, which is something that I always wanted to do was visit a gastronomic society. These are these private, uh, used to be men's clubs. It was a way for them to get away from their wives and their wives were probably happy to get them out of the house. And, uh, they're, you know, the men are some of the best cooks there are, and they would have these private clubs where they would just go and cook incredible meals and, you know, have some drinks and I'd seen it on a few shows and I said, man, I would love to do that. So figured out how to go to a place uh, in uh, Logroño, Spain. I went to two different ones there and it's an absolutely incredible experience. And you're probably not going to be able to do that outside of, uh, you know, someone who does trips like me that has those contacts because you can't just walk up to the door and, you know, say, I'd like to eat here tonight. So it's really, really uh, a neat experience. And those are the kinds of things I love to introduce my my clients to. I, you know, I love being in those places on my own when I'm scouting, but man, do I love to bring the group back and see it through their eyes and how they loved it and, you know, on and on. No, I, I, I can't imagine just kind of the, the rewarding side of that. I mean, in my life, I do a, a fair amount of, of solo travel. And then I like to now I you know I take my wife some of the places that I've been years ago and just showing somebody something that you really enjoyed is just really awesome. So I being able to do that as much as you do it has to be really really rewarding. Yeah, it really is. I love it. That's the best part of my job is to be able to bring those people back and see it through their eyes. Yeah, I'm I'm sure. Yeah, and um, doing this podcast obviously tons of people send me their YouTube channel or they send me their book or we've got a million different things. So I just have to say with yours, you, I don't know. Are you the one that does all the editing? Cause your videos are very, very, uh, I mean, they're, they're amazing. They're very well edited. They're crisp. I, I really enjoy your videos. I've got to say that. I like them a lot. Great. Thank you. And uh, no, I don't. <laughs> um, I've got a, yeah. I've, uh, I knew that I, I, I have editing skills, but I knew that if I was going to make this channel happen and once I started traveling again, like I am now, and I traveled at least five or six months a year during COVID, I was on the road internationally. I spent two months in, in uh, Turkey, a month in Berlin, uh, three, four weeks in Costa Rica and all, all over Europe uh, during COVID. Uh, but um I have it. I knew that once I started traveling again, like I normally do, which is about eight or nine months out of the year, that I wanted to be able to just make the videos and then work with an editor to put them together because I couldn't, uh, I won't have the time to do that when it comes to it. And I wanted it to look much more professional. 
Um, so uh, I found a great uh, young guy. He's from Venezuela, but he lives in Spain. And uh, he is fantastic. And we hit it off. And he does a really nice job. And so uh, I'm glad that you noticed that. Thank you. Absolutely. For sure. Uh, just tell us, you know, what, what the future holds for you. You you're obviously the immediate future. You've got a, a group of people about ready to join you in Cambodia, but what does the future hold for you when it comes to this, this business and, and everything else in your travels? Yeah. So, uh, what I'd like to do now, because, be, because I have three different websites. So I have a continental drifter.co website for, uh, the that channel, uh, photo tips, uh, travel tips, things like that. Um, my goal is to take the photo enrichment adventures and the Alicampanas experiences and put them under the Continental Drifter umbrella uh, so that it's really one very robust website where people can uh, you know find everything because it's I know it's confusing to have three different websites and which is which. So I'm um, trying to work through that and uh, eventually have continentaldrifter.co be, uh, uh, you know, sort of the hub for everything. Um, I trademarked the name. I, I registered it. So I own Continental Drifter. And um, uh, I even have plans for a, a TV show uh, that I've been working on for like 16 years, believe it or not. And I've shot a couple pilots for, but um, then COVID hit when we did the last one right then. And so kind of back to square one and we're working on a new sizzle reel for that. But I, I don't want to say too much about that. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm looking to sort of phase out the photo enrichment type trips, which tend to be longer and more moving around, like I said, uh, and move towards the a la Campania experience type trips where it's one, maybe two locations, getting, doing a deep dive in a place, less packing and unpacking and driving and have those be mostly around the Mediterranean. So that's why I'm looking at Sicily, Sardinia, Greece, um, some other locations uh, in that area because I want to move to Europe and base myself there and then have these trips be, you know, a two hour flight away from me. And uh, also focus on the, the TV show and perhaps uh, writing some more books. And uh, I, I really enjoy speaking. So one of the things I do to get in front of people is I do a lot of speaking engagements, especially at travel shows. And so I've spoken all over the world, uh, Jerusalem, Spain, uh, God, I forget, Ireland, and uh, oh, Cairo, uh, Cairo, Egypt. So I've spoken, but also across the United States. At the, you may have heard of the travel and adventure shows, and those are eight or ten shows that they have around the country. And I've been speaking there for about twelve years, and so that's how I get in front of people, build my mailing list, show people my photography skills, uh, uh, but in the form of teaching them how to get better shots of their travels. And it might be showing mistakes that I made. Uh, you know, this is how not to do this shot or, you know, this is how I corrected that shot. So uh, and they're very basic skills, again, that uh, anyone can use with any kind of camera. So it's not like you have to have a high end camera at all. Uh, again, these are like composition type tips and things. And I don't do 
too much about aperture shutter speed, those kinds of things. I, if I could give one tip, it's um, get your camera in a point and shoot mode. And what I mean by that is not necessarily all auto, but it's taking some test shots, getting the settings right for whatever conditions you're in. And if the conditions don't change, now all you have to do is point and shoot. You don't have to think about, is my exposure right? What's the histogram saying? You know, shutter speed, this and that. So um, get it into a point and shoot. And there's no uh, shame in putting it in all auto or program mode where the camera does a lot more work for you. Let the camera do the work. Why not? You, because when uh, on the places that I tend to go, um, you know, with as a landscape photographer, they can sit there for an hour or two and the light changes and, uh, but the scene's probably not going to change. But with travel photography, when you're in fast moving markets or street scenes and things like that, people aren't going to wait around for you to figure out your settings. So you got to be ready to point and shoot. So take some test shots, get your settings right. And now just, you got to recognize that photo op or anticipate it. Because sometimes, you know, it's, you see, you know, an interesting character walking down the street, you, you saw a cool background. Now step back and wait until that person walks like a spider uh, in, you know, uh, like a fly into a spider's web your web uh, in front of that really cool, you know, graphic of Che Guevara or something. So uh, anticipation is a big part, anticipation and timing, big part of photography. Yeah. I love that. Thanks. Thanks for that advice. I want to ask you probably the easiest question, the, uh, the most obvious question that, that I'm going to ask you. And that is, could you imagine going back to nine to five at this point? <laughs> Uh, I don't think so. You know, I, like I said earlier, the, the grass is always greener. So, um, you know, there's when I'm on these trips and it happens to be a 10 or 14 day trip, I'm on for 14 days, you know. So there's something to be said about a nine to five job. You go, you come home, you're done. Uh, maybe it's not your company that you're thinking about 24 seven. So they're not all bad. And, you know, it's always like, you know, you're, you're never satisfied. So, but uh, I do have the greatest job in the world and, uh, but it's a work, it's work. It's, it is a job. Um, so people think that I'm on vacation all year long because they see these beautiful pictures and things that I do videos and stuff, but it's a lot of work. And uh, you, you imagine when you go to plan a trip for you or you and your wife or your family and, you know, all those moving parts of hotels and transfers and airplanes and this and that, um, imagine doing that for 10 or 12 people and having that responsibility and having, you know, all the paperwork that needs to be done and arranging flights and transfers and stuff. So that uh, there's a lot to it. And uh, I think some people don't appreciate what's involved. And um, but I'm certainly not complaining. It's uh, it's it's a pretty great place to be. And uh, I would say if I if I die tomorrow, I've done more than 99 percent of people will ever do. And who cares how much money's in your bank account at that point? Absolutely. Yeah, I don't I don't envy the planning part at all. I I'm in like a a, a super hands-on planner and you know I, I mostly 
plan trips either for me and my wife or just myself or me and my dad. And I can't imagine you having to plan for all these people and, you know, the variable nature of that and make sure they're going to do what needs to happen. Cause obviously with my wife and my dad, I can whip them into shape if we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing with your, with all these 10 people and you've got to make sure they're doing the right thing. I, I would, I would have no hair. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, it's all about uh, uh, having, you know, over the years you get asked a lot of the same questions. So you, you have that frequently asked question list, or I put together sort of travel guides that are country specific uh, I wrote an ebook about Cambodia, so it just talks about the money and the you know safety and healthcare and all the different things. And I get that to people, and it's it's really uh, you know it jump starts them, you know, eighty percent of the way to just showing up in a place with zero knowledge and having to figure it out. To me, that's why you're paying me the quote big bucks, is that you know, I'm trying to make this as easy as possible on my travelers so that you don't have to spend hours and hours and hours planning or coming to these places and making the mistakes I've already made. Why not learn from my mistakes? It's going to save you time and money in the end. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't think about that value and why uh, uh, going on a a small group tour is a great thing, you know, and it's not perfect. Nothing is, but it's a wonderful way to travel. And uh, I even have one of my videos is about, you know, the advantages, the pros and cons of, of taking small group tours. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. I want you to just one final time, kind of shout out where people are going to, uh, to find you. Sure. So continentaldrifter.co, not .com. That's where you can find my Continental Drifter, links to all my um, YouTube videos, the podcast interviews I've been on. I'll put this up there too. Uh, but the youtube.com slash Continental Drifter is my YouTube channel. Would love to have people come on over, uh, interact with the videos, like, comment, share, because that's what uh, the Google al- algorithm is looking for. So I'd appreciate any help there. And then photoenrichment.com is where those a little bit more uh, photography-centric trips are, but don't let that scare you away. And finally, alacampagna.com for the more more European-centric Mediterranean trips. And uh, uh, hopefully you'll put those links in the show notes as well. Absolutely. Yeah, well, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank you. Pleasure. So that was Ralph Velasco. Really appreciated his time. Enjoyed speaking with him. All the links are going to be in the show notes as far as checking out his YouTube channel, which I highly recommend. Awesome videos. Um, checking out his tours. Just checking out his, his travel presence as a whole. Those links will be in the show notes. I think, you know, in talking, he, he realizes that he has different things for a lot of different people even different kinds of tours for for a lot of different people. It's not going to be for everyone, but if those type of tours are something you're interested in, I don't think you're going to find a a better guy than Ralph. So highly recommend checking that out. Um, But if nothing else, check out those YouTube videos and and kind of live vicariously through uh, through his videos. That's that's what I like to do. I like to check out these travel videos. Definitely, if I'm preparing for a trip and 
get excited about a destination, and you certainly can do that with Ralph's videos. So links in the show notes with that. If this is your first time listening to us, appreciate you being here. Uh, if you've listened before, thanks for coming back. If you haven't already, leave that five-star review on Spotify and on Apple. Leave a written review on Apple. Even more amazing. Uh, follow us on Instagram, Not Enough Podcast, Not Enough with Jackson Enough on Facebook, jacksonuff.com, all kinds of great places. But if you do nothing else, catch us next week. Take it away, Chris. This has been Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff. Thank you for listening. Be sure to join us next time where we will interview another amazing guest who is sure to make you laugh or make you think, or hey, maybe even both. But until then, keep being awesome.